Wonderful. Thank you, choir and preschool leaders for letting us have this time to focus our hearts on God and to uh, remember why we're here for worshiping him and also this season of Christmas. I am Chris Reynolds. I do serve the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, which means I serve you and I serve not only this church but churches around the state of which there's somewhat over 3,400 of them that are meeting this morning and worshiping Jesus together. It's good to be a part of something. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. If you're looking it up on your electronic device, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If, if you have another version, you'll be able to follow along. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. And he says, For I say, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members and we're one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then different gifts, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And verse 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Father, as we open your word this morning, Lord, we thank you that it is information and it's by information that we gain knowledge. But Lord, I also thank you for your Holy Spirit because it's through your Holy Spirit that that information leads to transformation. Lord, I pray that this morning that we will be transformed by our minds being renewed. Lord, that we would be transformed in our allegiance and surrender and obedience to you. Jesus, I thank you that you left heaven. You came to earth. You were born so that we could have eternal life. But also, Father, that we could know Jesus so that we could know Jesus here on earth today. Lord, I thank you for First Baptist Noonan for its legacy, its ministry, its influence, for the many different ways the gospel has been shared in this community and around the world. And Lord, as they are in this season of seeking and searching for their, for their new senior pastor, their lead pastor, Lord, I pray for their leadership, their teams, Lord, that they would be wise, courageous, and obedient. And Lord, use our time in your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Together, we need each other. Paul said to this group of people, we're many members, but we're one body. He said we're differing gifts, and we need to use them as members, but we need to use them for the body. 
That means that he's going to bring people in that are different than you. It means that some of you will function better in this way and others this way. And we don't need to look and say, he said, what? Think humbly of yourself. He said, don't think that because your gift is over here and their gift is over there that your gift is better than theirs. He said, no, we need them all. We need each other. Think about it. God chose in his sovereignty to establish two institutions. The first was the family. And he instituted or created the family to conceive, to nurture, provide, protect, and then to send out. My mom used to tell me, she'd say, I'm not going to walk in front of you and make a path. I'm not going to walk behind you and clean up a mess. But I'll walk beside you as you discover what God created you to be. She was raising me to send me out. <laughs> God created the family. But God also created the church. The body of faith. The family of Christ. The family of God. And guess what? He created us to conceive evangelism. He created us to nurture, provide, protect, discipleship. He created us to send us out to go and tell missions. Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world. In our text, Paul has just told us that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of something bigger than First Baptist Church Noonan. We're part of the global church, the body of Christ. And he says, I want you to function as a body. But you know, in America, we have a dilemma. Because we were created on what? The declaration of? I'll do me, you do you. I'll live in my corner, you live in yours. Frank Sinatra made it famous. I'll do it my way. And culture has told us that it's better to live with a smile and chaos than to be real in front of people. And so we're coming to church and people are coming to church and our community around us, everybody's smiling, everything's okay and people are hurting and they are going to hell. And God has called the church to be the body, to step in, to be the voice, to be the example, to be real in front of them. Paul said, so we being many are one body, individually members of one another. Paul is telling us that for our life on earth to exist as God designed, we need to work together. We need each other. Yes, I need to cooperate with you. I need to depend on you. I need to be available to you. I need to be vulnerable to you. I need to do life with you. What is the point? To live above with those we love? That will indeed be glory. But to live below with those we know? Ah, that's a different story. And that is becoming more and more true. We are known more by what we don't like than what we do like. We are no more by what we don't love than what we do love or worse yet, who we love and who we don't love. And Paul says, we're many members. We're one body. The children told us that for God so loved the world that he what? Gave his son. Why? So that all who believe could have eternal life. 
You are so wonderfully poised here at First Baptist Church Noonan to make a difference not only in the community, but around the world. So let's go ahead and get it over with. It's awkward. But look at the person next to you and say, you need me. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. That's pretty easy to say. You need me, right? Uh, that doesn't cost me anything. It kind of gives me the upper hand. But now look at them and say, I need you. Yeah. That does not flow as well for me. I'm going to be honest with you. I need you. The community needs you. Your church, you need each other. You know, this discovery of reading that we're many members in one body also helps us to understand the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. Let's, let me read them to you. He says, I beseech, I urge you therefore, brothers, that's brothers, sisters, body of Christ, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. He says, this is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, okay, oh, we're many members, but we're one body. I'm understanding the concept here. I'm understanding what God's asking me to do. He says, I not only want you to attend church, he says, I want you to be a part of church, the church. I don't want you just to attend and be a part, but I want you to be a, a functioning member of the body of Christ. Meaning that God created you and God planted you here for a purpose. But you see, one and two gives me some understanding. He says, I urge you by the mercy to present your body, a sacrifice. Don't be conformed, but be transformed so that you can prove. You see, if God is calling me to step into the body, not just to be around the body, but a part of the body, then it's oh so important that I surrender, I submit. It's oh so important that I'm transformed. A couple of years ago, I broke my leg. My leg was still a part of my body, but my leg was not functioning. And so I had to think about if I was going upstairs, and I had to think about if I was going downstairs, or if I was going to turn, if I was going to lift. When that leg healed, it was able again to function to assist the body. You see, some of us are broken. And we're coming to church and we know there's an answer, but we're not able to find it or connect with it. We're not able to surrender or submit. And God says, I want you not only to be attached to the body, but if your function is walking, I want you to walk. If it's lifting, I want you to raise. If it's singing, I want you to sound. And he says, to do that best... You need to submit, present a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is Jesus in the 
garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, if there's another way, let's do it. But if there's not another way, it's your way. Lord, I want to be in this building, but I want to be a part of this body. Lord, I want to be a part of this body worshiping you. I want to be a part of this body exiting this building and serving you and making you known to all the nations, to all the people. How do we do that? What do we need to understand? Well, first, we really do need to understand that regardless of what culture says, that we are created for life together. Life together. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Paul says, so that we can use our giftedness to serve the body. The writer of Hebrews says, to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, lifting up one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. And Proverbs 27.17 says, 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. I've been married for 33 years. We have sharpened some iron in that time. I served the same church for over 20 years. We sharpened iron during that time. And some of those moments you think, oh, I wish it had not happened. But many of those moments I look back and I say, God, thank you. Thank you that somebody loved me enough to, to stir up good works in me. Thank you that somebody loved me enough to challenge me. Lord, thank you that you put me in relationship with people so that I could challenge them. And we together could accomplish your will. What are the benefits of doing life together? There's strength. There's strength. You know, think about this. You have survived 100% of your tough days so far. Can we agree on that? You have survived them. So what makes you think that God will not strengthen you to survive the next tough day that steps into your life? But Ecclesiastes says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. An isolated strand can be easily pulled apart. You bind those strands together and you can swing on it. He says, I want you to be a part of the body. I want you to be united. I think about a lady named Dot. When I met Dot, she was 74 years old. Dot came into my office one day and she said, God doesn't love me. And I don't think anybody loves me. And she began to tell me the stories of the things that had happened in her life. And she had me almost agreeing with her. But we began to look at the scripture. And we began to read the scripture and together she was a strand and I was a strand. And, and the word of God, the living God, the holy God that was available in, in her began to strengthen her. 
And she said, okay, what do you think I need to do? Dot, I think you ought to join a, a small group, a, 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 a class, a, a group of people where you can be in relationship. And she did. And it was hard. She would call me crying and say, I walked in that room today and I felt so alone and so vulnerable. But she hadn't been in there long and she came back and she said, Pastor, I understand God loves me. These people are showing me that they want to love me. She said, I've never been born again. And at 79 or 80 years old, Dot accepted Christ. She didn't live long after that. But Dot lived with her eyes on Jesus and how she could serve him. We are created to live life together. What does that mean? It means when you walk into this worship center that you not only walk to come to the place that you normally sit, but as you get to that place, you look and find the person who may be new or the person who's alone or the person that you know who is going through something and you, and you connect with them. Not because it's convenient, but because it's a command. To stir up love, acceptance. I preached in a church three Sundays and I noticed this people, these people that, that sat in the same place every Sunday. Or at least the two Sundays I'd been there. So I assumed they were going to be there the third Sunday. So the third Sunday I just went to their place and sat down. And the lady looked at me and she started laughing. She said, you're testing me, aren't you? I said, oh, no, ma'am, that would not even be on my mind. She said, may I join you? And she began to tell me about why she sat there. And then she said, you know, I've been thinking about asking this person that sits over here alone. If I could come sit with them. She did. That person did not know Christ. That lady moved over there and led that lady to the Lord. Not because it was convenient, but because it was a command. We're created to do life together. There are benefits to doing life together. There's strength, there's accountability, there's wisdom. God created us to walk together as part of the family of faith. We're created to work together. Look, Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not created in Christ Jesus to be comfortable. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. What are the good works of God? Love, mercy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control. What are the works of God? Evangelism, reaching out to the least of these and telling them that Jesus is the answer. We're to stir up for good works. Somewhere along the way, we believe that God's goal of comforting us is to make us comfortable. That's not why God comforts you. God comforts you to make you a comforter. God comforts you and strengthens you and gives you wisdom and mercy and love. Not so that you can say, look what I have. 
but so you can say, look what I can give. We're created to work together. Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes 4.9, because they have a good reward for their labor. Therefore, Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. There are benefits to working together. Psalm 139 says that we're wonderfully made and knit together in our mother's womb. When I was just a small child, my, my grand, I had the mumps. And my grandmother said that she would keep me because she said, if you've had the mumps, you'll never get the mumps again. And so she kept me. Well, guess what? My grandmother got the mumps. And so I have ADHD and she had the mumps. And there we are sitting. And I said, what are we going to do? She said, we're going to learn to crochet. <laughs> never wanted to. But she handed me two needles and a ball of yarn and taught me how to do the little steps and everything you do. And um, I started, maybe that was knitting, not crocheting. Anyway, if you have two needles, that's knitting, right? Sorry. Anyway, so I had to, anyway, I was doing all of that. And as I was doing that, she was telling me about how God had known me and had a plan for me and he knit me together. You see, good works. She took lemons and made lemonade. The result is I can give you this illustration today. The, the side extra benefit is if you need potholders, call me. <laughs> I know how. But we're created for life together. We're created to work together. Good works, there's strength in numbers. You know, I learned that people don't care who you are if you will love them where they are. They really don't mind. I, I'm told all the time, oh, I'm too old to work with teenagers. Some of the best youth volunteers I know are gray-haired and wrinkled because kids want to be loved. We're created to protect each other. Look at it. Philippians 2.4 says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. In church, we, we're not just to come and say, Well, I like this and I like that and we've always done this and we've always done that. Part of no, we can have tradition and that's wonderful. But we also need to think, What will help me reach the next generation? You see, our orthodoxy is cemented. Our orthoproxy needs to be flexible. Hebrews 13.1, continue in brotherly love. Ecclesiastes 4.12, I've already said it, but a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. I think about Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam was a Filipino pastor that served on my staff and Pastor Sam was a very effective evangelist and he was reaching the Filipino community of South Atlanta. One Sunday morning he was preaching much like we are in this room right now. Pastor Sam's wife had a stroke. They had to stop service. They had to call 911. They took his wife to the hospital. The prognosis was not good. After church my wife and I went to the hospital to be with them. And we walked in, and, and I'm not usually at a loss for words, but I had nothing to say as Pastor Sam and his three daughters sat there. There was the pat, there was the praying for you. As Gail and I, my wife, started to leave, I thought, that is the worst pastoral visit we've ever made. 
We had not been in the car very long going down the road and Pastor Sam texted and said, you'll never know what your presence meant today. See, the ministry of presence. We're created to, to be with one another. We're created to protect one another. We're created to walk beside each other in brotherly love. And we stay away sometimes because what would I say? What would I do? And I'm going to say go. Be there. Be available. Your awkward presence is much better than your obvious absence. We need people who will defend us, who will protect us, who will stand with us, who help us stay on track, and who will warn us. So here's my question here. Not really a benefit, but more of a question. Who is watching your back? Can you name the person that you know is there, is an accountability brother or sister who is walking with you and will tell you the truth and love you no matter what? Can you name that person? Here's another question. Whose back do you have? Who are you watching? Who is the people, the person, the individual or individuals that can know no matter what happens in life? You're there for them, to strengthen them. Life together, work together, protect each other, but also to bear one another's burdens. First Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, united, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So when do we step in? We step in in the crisis. We step in in the unexpected moment. We step in in the victory. We step in in the failure. We step in in the unpredictable. We are the church. We're not just a group of people sitting in a room. We're a body. And I promise you, when my leg was broken, my mind was sympathetic. When my leg was broken, my arms didn't just say, oh, you're on your own, bud. No, they took the crutches. And we walked forward. You see, we're going to meet people. We're going to have people in this room who don't know how they're going to be received. And so they draw back. Oh, maybe present. Maybe vocal. Maybe smiling. But God says, I want you to walk. Eric, you're doing discipleship groups from what I understand. And discipleship groups is one and maybe three or four others coming together for the purpose of getting to know each other, to grow close to each other so that we can then break up and go out and get three or four more. It's called multiplication. 
not addition. That's what God's calling us to as the, as the church. The body of Christ, we don't live in a vacuum. We need people who will run to us when everyone else is running from us. We need to be running to people when everyone else is running from them. I'm reminded of this young lady that attended our church. She was an alcoholic, a drug addict. And she had been to rehab multiple times. The, the next time, the, this time that she was at the bottom, her dad called and said, we're done. We don't know what to do. She is, we're not responding anymore. If something's going to happen, you're going to do it. This was 1030 at night. He told me where his daughter was. My wife and kids and I got in the car. We went and found her. We, we brought her and, and got her safe and clean and protected. And we took her to a, a rehab facility known as the Potter's House. It's in Milner, Georgia. And while she was there, she understood who Jesus was. She accepted Christ. Today she's married. She's the stepmom to some amazing kids. Very active in church. Life together means that we keep on keeping on. Loving people that might not be in our circle normally. Jesus said this in John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another or one for another. Love is an action word. Requires commitment. Requires sacrifice. Requires time. It requires the body. My prayer for you this morning. As you're in this season of transition. I bet many of you thought by now you'd, you'd have a pastor. And yet God has not brought a pastor. My prayer for you is that as you step into this next few months, Lord, am I ready? Could I be the reason that you haven't brought our pastor yet? You say, can one affect the whole? It can in the Old Testament, Achan and Ai. So that's how I'm praying for you very regularly. Is Lord, prepare the church. Prepare the man. Prepare his family. Prepare the church. Lord, and at the right time when they're ready for each other, would you just make it blast like it, it would be on a neon sign. Here he is. Continue to pray for your search committee. I know they're working diligently. Pray for your deacons. I know they're meeting regularly. And they are looking for God's will to present to you so that the church can move forward. We need each other. In times like this, we need each other most. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it, that it tells us that we're members, but we're a body. We're individuals, but we are a part of you, your work, your kingdom here on earth. Lord, I thank you that you bring people into our lives to serve. We thank you that you bring people into our lives to serve us.
Lord, let us be good stewards of this call to stewardship. Let us be good stewards of this work as the body of Christ. Lord, we do pray for the next pastor of First Baptist Church Noonan. Lord, that you would prepare and make him aware and let him and his family know when it is time. Lord, and I pray for this church. Lord, not that they would only be looking for a leader, but they would be preparing to, to be led for your glory, for this community, for the sake of the gospel. And Father, we pause to pray for one another. Lord, we pray for the people that are in front of us. Lord, we pray for the people behind us. Lord, for those on either side of us. That during this time of response, this invitation, Lord, as, as we have need, as you speak, that we would respond for those online, that they would respond and, and comment in the section so that we could know. For those in the room, Lord, that they would come. Lord, if that need is Christ. Lord, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, if their need is prayer. Lord, that we would be a, have the opportunity to pray for them. Lord, to join the church, be baptized, call to ministry. Lord, this is your time. You can do with it whatever you want. And we just simply say, have your way. Not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.